of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast, available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode this story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class is brought to you by Get Your Guide. No matter where you are going on your next travels, Get Your Guide offers great ways to connect with your destination and make memories with locally vetted, expertly curated experiences. Things just as examples. You could go whitewater rafting in the Grand Canyon. You could take a tour of Pike Place Market in Seattle with a chef. There's a London Royal Parks and Palaces tour. All kinds of options wherever you are going. So discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at getyourguide.com. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotel's family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Happy Friday. I'm Tracy B. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. One of the things we talked about on the show this week was Marino Faliero, also called Marine Falier, uh, also called a pronunciation in Latin that I've already forgotten. Uh, <laughs> the bad doge. Doge of Venice. Only, the only one to ever be executed for treason. While I was working on this, I was kind of struggling with it because I, I thought uh, the background on the office of doge and how that developed was important context because it may explain why he took those steps. Like maybe he just wanted a lot more power than the office really had. Uh, but I also felt like the most interesting part of it was all the slapping and the beheading, which came along much later. So I was talking through all of this with my spouse at dinner at a restaurant, 
as I had gotten to a point where like I had the whole outline roughed out, but I was still like, how can I make, how can I make this a little bit more like compelling with the part that I felt that was more context and less the good part. And I was like, so he brought all these commoners together and they started planning a coup. And (laughs) Patrick said, a coup against who? He was the doge. (laughs) And I was like, valid point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but if he was largely figureheady, yeah, a coup against, a coup against all, the people all the people who were keeping him down. Yeah. It yeah. is a weird thing, right, at that late stage in his life to be like, now is the time. Yeah, because he was at least in his 70s, and depending on which year of birth is the right one, because I really did find three different years of birth, like he may have been almost or into his 80s and had had a career that, you know, while seeming to have a volatile temper, but like, Beyond that, it seems like people respected him. So it does seem like, why suddenly did you decide to murder everyone? Right? I mean, there's part of me that's like, in just trying to logic it out, I'm not saying this is a good and valid choice. Uh, Is there part of him that was like, yeah, but no one will remember me for being a nice guy, one of many, many doges. But if I become the worst doge, (laughs) I will secure my legacy. (laughs) Um. The fact that there were so many people getting slapped in this episode was fascinating to me. The fact that he seems to have either tried to take absolute power in Venice or was manipulated into this weird and terrible coup plan. Fascinating to me. The painting over of his portrait. None of those portraits, uh, or at, at least as far as we know, like, There was not source artwork to go on for a lot of those portraits. They're sort of what imagined of what all the doges look like, uh, except for his, which is uh, just this banner that's painted onto the wall, which both (laughs) of us, as we were walking around with this audio tour, were like, you know, we're, we're sort of looking at the walls and the ceiling because it's like the whole room is just covered in artwork. And then we had the audio tours queued up to approximately the same point, and both of our heads just turned to find this (laughs) banner hanging among all the Doge portraits. See? Memorable. I love just the little bit at the end that we talked about Venice's identity being so counter to the way it was perceived. Yeah. Because, I don't know, it's just a great... That's like a, a... a municipality-wide thing, but, like, you can extrapolate that and condense it down and, like, how many of us, just humans walking around, have the same situation going on? Of like, yeah, I think I am this. And if you ask somebody else, they'll be like, no, you are this. It's just a fascinating <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah, something that was really striking to me uh, about Venice is Venice's own mythology about itself, which... Uh, you know, as we said, is this idea that this a uh, place that was particularly blessed by St. Mark and particularly home to ingenuity and artwork and, a, and an independent republic that stood for more than a thousand years. And it's something that comes up again and again in the various historical things that we saw while we were there. And as someone who did not grow up in Venice or even grow up in Italy, I was like, wow, this is like just continual historical PR campaign for yourself that's been going on for centuries. And I see this also, you know, in 
American historical sites, especially oh, yeah. things that are related to things like the founding of the United States and the Revolutionary War, uh, and depending where you are, different aspects of the Civil War, some of which are incredibly troubling in how they sort of put forth the myth of how this all happened. But I I felt like of various places that I have traveled before, like this was a place where I I felt like it was so infused with everything that we saw that I was like, this is real interesting to me. And it's also very interesting to me how the perception grew that it was this like mysterious and romantic and secretive place because, I mean, it's a city right there on the water with canals instead of roads for cars to drive on. And in the, like, cooler months, it can be shrouded in this very thick mist. And I was like, yeah, I understand why this is, like, why this has been the subject of so much artwork and so many fictional depictions. Like, it is a place that lends itself to all kinds of storytelling and myth-making. We pretty much went because it is, very threatened by both climate change and by the effects of the enormous amount of tourism that it gets. So it was like we were contributing to the problem ourselves by going there, but also wanted to see it. (laughs) Right. That's the trick. Before it is underwater, uh, because it is, I mean, it is absolutely threatened by sea level rise. Um, There are times now already where the tide swells to the point that it just floods the city and uh, they have to put little platforms down on the walkways for people to be able to get around. I vaguely recall a million years ago, by which I mean maybe eight years ago, when uh, we were still doing editorial work for How Stuff Works, and we had an episode about, an episode, uh, an article that I was working on for some reason about Venice and sea level rise. And I remember looking at pictures of the Piazza St. Mark being flooded, and I was just like, this is messed up. Yeah, it happens. That has happened actually relatively recently uh, at the the waterfront area of Boston. There have been a couple of tides that have just flooded everything around for the same reasons. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad we were able to go to Venice I really hope, number one, we as a society are able to take some more concrete steps to try to slow down the pace of climate change. And also, there are attempts to do some things to try to protect Venice as a city, and some of them are controversial. That Everything has a, has a downside, but it is a beautiful and interesting place with all kinds of historical buildings, a lot of which are just gorgeous, that are just right on the water. It's just right there. There's a wall and it's the canal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hope people are documenting every single tiny thing about it before we lose it. Yeah. That's a downer place to end it. That is a downer place to end it. (laughs) Sorry! Maybe this will be the Monday episode and so there will be a second happier thing. Because we don't know when we record these a lot of the times. So we're just like, we'll, we'll record it so that it could be either the first or the second episode. Yeah, and we have con- some control over the calendar, but things come up that make it necessary to shift things into one position or another. So fingers crossed, we'll try to make this a Monday episode so that this will be the first half of Behind the Scenes and the next one will be a laugh riot. Watch, it's going to be horrible. 
Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. See, we talked about the adoption of standard time zones yeah. this week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, time. Yeah. It's one of those things that if you never travel, if you never, uh, like, let's say you live in a remote area and your life is centered around your home and your family and uh, not going to other places, like, none of this really affects your life that much probably, but, like, if you're going to travel a long way uh, with a fast mode of travel, especially, like, trying to adjust your watch 27 times and also missing your train connection or your plane connection or whatever because the clocks were different, like, it's a whole different level of necessity. It's not fun, that's for sure. Yeah. 
I remember once when I was still living in Atlanta, I had gone to the Atlanta airport for something. To, I mean, obviously, I was, it was to get on an airplane, but I don't remember what the trip was about. Uh, and I had gotten there really early for whatever reason. Uh, and I was like, wow, I have all this time. I'm just going to go over to the international terminal because that's like new and clean and uh, I can go to the stores there, whatever. I'm just going to hang out. And at some point, my phone decided that I was in central time instead of eastern time. And I was like, wow, why do I feel like I have so much more? I knew I got here early, but not that early. And then I realized that my phone didn't match the departure boards. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) That's terrifying. Going back to the gate right now. (laughs) I still had plenty of time. I did not miss my flight. But uh, since then, I've been kind of paranoid about whether my phone has auto-adjusted its time zone to something wrong. Whether it's trying to mess with you. There were a couple things that I did not put in this episode. One is kind of a charming story about Sanford Fleming when he was a kid. It comes up kind of briefly mentioned in some of the the biographies of him I read about him being a kid and obviously being kind of like the right child to go into a, a surveying career, which is that he invented what he called a drawing machine when he was a kid, which is basically this way that projected silhouettes onto things and then he would kind of uh, draw them out based on it. But like he had this whole mechanism set up and I could never find a really, really good description of it that I understood how it functioned. But I just loved the idea that as a child, he was like, I'm going to invent machines that make sense out of things that I can't do artistically. I loved it. Um, He sounds fun. The other thing I didn't mention and I don't know if we've talked about it on a behind the scenes before. Have we ever talked about Swatch Internet Time? Oh, I feel like it came up in the context of something. And I remember you telling me about it, but I don't remember if then we talked about it on the behind the scenes or not. I I wanted it to be a thing so bad. There was a time briefly in the late 1990s when Swatch was trying to institute this idea of instead of using hours and minutes, we would transition everything to 1,000 beats a day. Mm-hmm. And everybody would be on the same beat all the time, whether you were in Atlanta, in Hong Kong, in London, in, and they had watches that worked on beats. And I was like, yes, this will unite us all. And nobody wanted to do it but me, yeah. apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been a conversation and something like maybe when we were talking about Esperanto and having an international language that might have come up in the context of that. So I live in eastern Massachusetts, north of Boston. We are in the eastern time zone. And sometimes conversation comes up about whether we should really be one time zone farther to the east than we are uh, because... Man, the sun comes up so early. The sun came up this morning (laughs) at 5 a.m., which means it was getting light at about 4.30. Um, And while we have, we have these like pull-down blackout blinds that do make it darker than other blinds in the house do. Like they're more opaque, but there's still a thin line between the blind and the actual frame or like the sill of the window where a little bit of light can seep through, and it is enough to really brighten up the rooms when the sun comes up. We haven't put curtains over it because we think the cats will climb them. 
Uh, and every year, I just, I forget that I need a sleep mask on my face when I go to bed or else the rising sun at 4.30 in the morning is going to start waking me up. And that happened today. Uh, and it was unfortunate because when I remembered I should put a sleep mask on and I fell back asleep, then I overslept because I had just messed myself all up. Meow, meow, meow. I think because I naturally shift to vampire hours if left to my own devices, daylight savings shifting back and forth has very little meaning to me. I'm like, okay, like, roll with it. Because I'm like, I'm sleeping through daylight anyway, no matter what happens. If it's a weekend, the sun has come up before I have, for sure. Yeah. I do not enjoy the time changes of daylight saving time. I also have a hard time traveling, crossing time zones. Like, I have a a hard time with jet lag if I'm traveling over a lot of time zones, especially. And the thing I have a hardest time with is in the wintertime, Uh, I have a little bit of just, like, seasonal difficulty. I've never been diagnosed with anything, but I, like, it's noticeably more challenging for me in the darker months. And often I am just starting to feel like the light is where I want it to be, and then the time changes and it resets, and I'm like, no, why? (laughs) See, I don't have any form of seasonal affective disorder that I can surmise, but I do have winter rage disorder, which has nothing to do with light and everything to do with how much I just hate being cold. Yeah. It's a very different thing, though. But uh, yeah, I I have always thought like, oh, I'm pretty good with time zone changes, which was put to the test recently and I think turned out to be correct because we went to Italy Mm -hmm. for a little over a week and then I came back to Atlanta for three days and then I went to California Mm -hmm. for a little less than a week and that all happened like right on and I was fine it didn't bother me at all I on the other hand had terrible jet lag in Italy especially the first two days we were there I felt very bad and after I had managed to finally get like my first really good night of sleep and I felt like I was acclimating people were like I was worried about you (laughs) And I was like, I'm all right now. I just need to remember if I'm traveling over that many time zones, I need a little time built in to adjust. I think I just always stay up until it stops being a thing. And then that's always my trick, right? Like, okay, I'll just stay up and make myself stay awake until it's the right time to go to bed. And then I'm like golden. Nope. But that worked for me mostly coming home. Coming home, I just stayed up until we were home, and then I went to bed at normal time, home time, and I got on to Eastern time again pretty easily, but I still, like, my body still felt really, really tired. But going to Italy, I wasn't really able to sleep on the plane because of, like, our connecting flight interrupted what would have been sleeping time, and it, like, didn't, it didn't work out for me. Yeah, I can't sleep on a plane, so I just stay up, like, 36 hours, and then I conk out, and then I'm set didn't work for me. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm like, okay, I'll have two mojitos and I'll go to bed and it resets the whole clock. Yeah, it was like I was too tired to get comfortable and my brain was also like, the time is incorrect. I don't know what's wrong with you. And so it was like, in addition to having not slept on the flight, I continued to not really sleep for the next two nights. And then, then it worked out. Then I got a, I got onto the correct time and it was okay. (laughs) <laughs> this is only a problem that happens for people that can afford to travel internationally. I recognize right, that it is not right. something that, like, 
It's not a real problem. Well, but it impacts you even when you're going back and forth across the U.S. Like, if you have a work thing when we travel for tours and stuff. Yeah, usually when we, if we go to the West Coast for a tour, a lot of the time I will try to get there a day early. So especially if our show times are later, I want to not be a wreck for them. Maybe one day we will tour again. Maybe, maybe. But in any case, I am personally thankful for time zones because uh, not just a tra- I'm kind of obsessed with time. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like how it makes order out of chaos and key is like the one thing because I tend to be very um, I can get very unfocused very quickly. But as long as I have like a time in mind, I can kind of fix my trajectory and be like, no, 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 no. You're not supposed to still be in the sewing room. Go do some work. Go be a grown up for a minute. Uh, and I am not particularly inflexible about it, but time is just like a perfect guideline for my day-to-day life. I know that probably sounds wildly obvious, but like I literally mark out my day of like, I need to be doing X by X, Y by Z, like then I'm going to shift to this and then I book in this and I do kind of schedule all my days so that I don't completely like become a floopy nightmare that gets nothing done. I have to. Mm -hmm. Because I'm doing too many things at once all the time. If this is your Friday and you are headed into a weekend where you don't have things to do, I hope that your time is spent however you wish and that it is enjoyable and delightful, either as structured or unstructured as works best for you. Uh, (laughs) We will be right back here tomorrow with a classic. And then on Monday, there will be brand new episodes coming in hot. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.